0: Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio AM 740.
1: Just looking at my coffee mug here and the inscription, keep calm and carry on. Those could be the watch for words for 2015, my friends. Batten down the hatches, it promises to be an interesting year. Hey, welcome to the Audio Imaginaria. My name is Richard Serrett. Happy New Year to each and every one of you. Welcome. To the very first conspiracy show of 2015, it's in mint condition, still in the box. Oops, now you've opened it. That's okay. This program is always outside of the box. Uh, The mighty Aphrodite and I, and the twins, uh, spent New Year's Eve and New Year's Day down in Niagara Falls, New York, with our dear friends, uh, the Murai family, Jalal and and their and their children. And they had a—they have a great little restaurant down there called the 755 Restaurant. It's 755 Market Street, right downtown Niagara Falls. And if you're down that way, check it out. Uh, the food was amazing. And, of course, the hospitality. Uh, that goes without saying. They always show us a great time. Dear friends of ours. The servings are incredibly large. The mighty Aphrodite and I had to share an entree of, uh, I think it was uh, haddock, beer-battered haddock. And uh, the two of us could barely finish it. Uh, anyway, I mentioned that because uh, Jalal Murai, you may have met, heard me mention him on the program. He's also my television partner, the director-producer for uh, The Conspiracy Show. Uh, so I thought, hey, why not uh, uh, let you know about their, their restaurant, pop into 755, Niagara Falls, New York, and uh, say hi to Jalal and the family, and uh, maybe Jalal uh, can uh, pour you a beer and tell you a few conspiracy show tales from the road. <laughs> Uh, Speaking of Niagara Falls, New York, I just got this uh, email. Ken Whitmell emails, says, Hello, Richard. Happy New Year to you and your family. Thank you, Ken. says, I'm watching a very interesting conspiracy show on neo-Nazis that is on WNLO Buffalo, which I believe is a CBS affiliate. Is this correct? Uh, Yes, Ken. I believe WNLO Buffalo is carrying uh, the television show. We are, as I've mentioned on a number of occasions, in about 200 markets in the U.S. and growing. That's the TV show, the television show, now across the United States. uh, We haven't uh, received the the latest uh, numbers from our distributor down there, but I believe we're in about 200 markets, and that's growing. Uh, Now, just a, a programming note. We are not doing an HOA tonight, a hangout on air. We're not live streaming on YouTube. Uh, Albert tells me we're having some computer issues. That's fine. We'll try and resume with the HOA next week. Uh, so you'll have to wait until then to catch a glimpse of my brand new glasses. <laughs> Someone told me I, I look like a cross between Jack Benny and Elvis Costello. I'm watching the detectives. <laughs> now cut that out, Rochester. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm not about to quit my radio uh, program and become the next Freddie Travellina or Rich Little. (laughs) Uh, Elvis Costello and Jack Benny. I don't know. You tell me what you think uh, next week when we've got the HOA back up and running and we'll be live streaming. Of course, uh, for now, you can listen as always on our flagship station, AM 740, here in Toronto and uh, on the podcast around the world and uh, one of our 30 U.S. affiliates. Uh, Next week on the show... Gerald Salente from Trends Journal, with his forecast of what lies ahead in 2015, will be with us. We'll no doubt delve into the economy, geopolitics, and more. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, our regular contributor, paranormal investigator, author of over 50 books, will be here with her first paranormal news roundup of 2015. And uh, this one is going to be an interesting discussion. Tracy R. Twyman will be here author of uh, numerous and very popular nonfiction uh, books on the occult and the paranormal, will discuss how, in the summer of 2001, she and a group of friends attempted to contact a dead French artist on the Ouija board, and this was part of a research project about the Holy Grail. Uh, apparently, they were trying to get, de- uh, to get help decoding an historic occult mystery pertaining to the royal bloodline of France. And she's written about that extensively as well. Uh, Anyway, they had no idea, apparently, that they were opening a portal to hell. And what followed was a 13-year adventure into the supernatural, trailing mysterious clues given to them beyond the veil. And we'll explore the secrets of Freemasonry, the Knights Templar, the apocalypse, gleaned, get this, from the ghostly lips of artist Jean Cocteau. Uh, That's next week on The Conspiracy Show. And I've got another scary story for you tonight. Uh, This one, however, isn't about the paranormal. Uh, It does involve torture, uh, innocent people who are targeted by shadowy figures using very advanced technology to disrupt lives, their lives, in an attempt to drive them over the edge, drive them crazy, to discredit them, silence them. Uh, My good friend, Dr. John Hall, uh, down in San Antonio, and uh, the author of A New Breed, Satellite Terrorism in America, uh, told me that there are roughly 300,000, let me repeat that, 300,000 targeted individuals in America. And we're about to meet one right now, or at least we're about to meet someone who, I believe, sincerely believes she is a targeted individual Leslie Oliver claims that she was targeted shortly after launching a a website which provided Americans with information on how to purchase cheap medication outside of the United States thus began some gang stalking and electronic harassment Uh, she was also a former actress and she kicked around Hollywood for about 10 years later worked in New York City in advertising Ten years later, she went back to the Palm Desert area of California, which is about two hours outside of Los Angeles. After the uh, the targeting, she left the United States for good in February of 2005. She went to uh, Dharamsala in India, where she was attacked with EM weapons there, though not as aggressively, apparently, as in the United States. She built herself a completely enclosed six-by-six-by-six-foot stainless steel hut sort of a Faraday cage, which helped mitigate some of the effects. After four years of living in India, she went to Cambodia to teach English and was EM attacked there as well. During this period of living in Asia, she visited Thailand, China, Nepal, the Philippines, and was attacked in all of these places without a break. In fact, the worst attacks were in China. From the moment she got on the plane from India and during a change of planes at the airport in Bangkok to her landing in Chengdu, China, she was followed and cooked mercilessly. Leslie Oliver, welcome to the conspiracy show. How are you
2: Thank you Richard actually i'm I'm feeling quite well Thank you for having me. It's quite wonderful um, I you know. Uh, I'd like to start this off by saying that I, I'm not exactly a TI, I, I, because there's a, there's a problem with a lot of the disinformation that's going on in that community, and um, the, the way that uh, a lot of the, the terminology is put out there is actually quite wrong. If, um, well, I'd that's like interesting. I mean, I, the,
1: the it, term "targeted individual" seems very apropos to me. But you explain why you're not uh, a targeted individual.
2: Well, there's how do I say this? There's a there's there's a kind of of uh, ploy to make people who are targeted into victims. And I just want to say that I I have not been victimized. Uh, mentally in the way that a lot of other target targets have been. No,
1: as we, that's a good point. As we discuss, you have certain defense mechanisms that are part of your, your spirituality that has helped you protect it, but you have been, there's no question, Leslie, right that you yes, have been, been targeted. Assaulted.
2: You've been and that's assault, other assaulted. that's the thing. The word that they use is harassment, and it's much worse than that. It's sure, actually Mental murder. Yes,
1: it's torture. There's no question.
2: Yeah, it's, it is. It's torture, it is. absolutely.
1: Torture. Uh, so let's, let's begin at the beginning. Um, and, and I know that you, you spend some time in Hollywood as an actress, but the, the, the targeting, uh, the, the mental torture uh, really started. And because we don't have time, uh, a right. lot of time, we have to sort of skip ahead here. And, and, and I, I, I need sort of the Reader's Digest version. But um, you, were, you had launched a website, right? Uh, foreigndrugs.com. Right, And this was essentially, you weren't selling drugs. You were just inf- you were giving Americans information on how they could procure drugs outside of the United States cheaper than what right. they were paying in the United States. And then right. you started to get harassed by, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, phone calls and threatening letters and so forth from, from uh, customs people. And, and uh, f- well, you take it from there. Tell us what happened briefly.
2: Well, well yeah, I, I, I was getting, I, the, you know, people were breaking into my house. I had people outside in vans um, sitting there for you know hours, and um, they would you know they would break into my house, and I would know that there would be a toilet seat up. I was on four acres, and I was sort of on a remote um, dead end street in the desert. And um, the highlight of that was they fixed my brakes. I was going up into the mountains every day, and they fixed my brakes. And I happened to find that out because there was uh, uh, because when I was going the next day when I was on the freeway, there was a thumping on in my car, and I brought my car in to have them take a look at it because I had driven into L.A. to see my attorneys, in fact, and um, they told me that the caliper pin had been taken off, uh, and it's impossible for it to fall off. And it was then that I started to realize that um, the people that were following me, because I kept noticing people following me. And it took me a long time to notice because I, I didn't understand why anybody would want to follow me. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, it, it just... It just absolutely changed my whole life when I realized that there were actually people who were trying to murder me.
1: Now, how did you survive that ordeal? I've driven, I've driven a stretch of very mountainous road. It's absolutely breathtaking. Some of the, the finest vis- vistas anywhere in California, and I've driven it from, from uh, you know, bow to stern several times. Yeah. Uh, there's a stretch of highway that goes through the mountains between uh, uh, Palm Springs and San Clemente, California, actually. Uh, as I recall, the very windy roads. How did you survive that? Well, If they fixed your brakes, that is.
2: Well, for some reason, nothing happened. That's, what's, that's what was so strange. Um, it, the the brake fluid apparently, you know, went through and I got, and, and, you know, I was able to get through. But what happened is, is that when I got down, when I got down to the bottom of the hill, uh, back down to Palm Desert, I had this weird feeling of, I got this feeling of somebody very angry. And I remember I stopped the car and I thought, "What, what is going on? Why am I feeling this anger from somebody?" And uh, right Le- Leslie, let me sorry, Hill Leslie, let me just jump in lot. here.
1: Sorry, Leslie, let me jump in. We're we're uh, we're coming up on a break here. We'll pick up on okay, this great. on the other side. Uh, Leslie Oliver, tells us her harrowing uh, ordeal of mental torture, mental attempted murder, uh, essentially. When we come back, we'll get into uh, more of that here on the Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Uh, Welcome back. Just a a quick uh, programming note uh, for you uh, fans of Coast to Coast. I will be hosting, guest hosting, Friday night, this coming Friday night, uh, sitting in for George Norrie, and uh, there'll be uh, two hours of open lines and uh, a two-hour discussion with uh, Tara MacIsaac, the Beyond Science reporter uh, with the Epoch Times. And uh, then on Saturday, again, I'll be sitting in the air chair Saturday on Coast to Coast AM. uh, And I know the, the last three hours of the program I'll be in conversation with Stephen Quayle, We'll be talking about gold The missing gold hoard In the United States There is no more gold at Fort Knox According to Stephen Quayle and others And we'll also talk about the manipulation Of uh, the precious metal market The yellow metal uh, and much more. That's uh Coast to Coast AM right now. Olivia, uh, sorry, Leslie Oliver. <laughs> Le- Olivia, where did I get that? Leslie Oliver uh stays with us, a former Hollywood actress. Now, I know uh, you, you, the, I'm going to use the term targeted individual just for shorthand because people know, you know, when I say that term uh uh Leslie they know okay. what I mean okay. and and okay. we can we can uh, sort of uh, parse that a little bit later if you'd like. But um now I just I, I want to summarize for people just joining us. So, um, again, you spent some time in Hollywood, but this targeting didn't begin until after you launched this uh, the, you, one of your websites, ForeignDrugs.com. You were giving information to Americans uh, on how they could procure uh, and where they could procure uh, cheaper medications. We're talking about legal. Uh, prescription drugs um, in you know places like Mexico and and here in Canada, uh, and and you were very careful about this. I mean, you went uh, because you know word went out that the DEA was going to start uh, prosecuting websites like yours that were mm-hmm. advertising right. offshore par- pharmacies. So you right. went to a lawyer to oh, make yeah. sure you I had, had some all of the, the...
2: Best first amendment attorneys in the country
1: to make sure that the wording on your website was you know strictly uh, according to. Uh, All of the rules and so forth.
2: FDA rules, right.
1: Right. Um, But then you started getting, it started with some some phone calls and some, you know, from custom agents saying, what are you doing and and, and so forth. And then it started to escalate. Uh, And you mentioned having the, um, uh, we we should mention, you know, uh, as part of this, there was some of that street theater that, or the gang stalking type thing. You had people driving by your house at three in the morning. They were revving their Uh engines and, and, uh, as you mentioned, people breaking into your house and. Sort of moving things around, which right, is all exactly. classic. These are all classic uh, signs and, and symptoms of a, of a TI. Yeah. Uh, and then, the, so back to the, uh, the the fixing of your brakes, and you and uh, somehow you survived that, but the, it was clear to the person who that that inspected your brakes after that that someone had done something, and you mentioned feeling like someone was very angry with you when you got to the bottom of that mountain.
2: Yeah, that's what's so strange is that part of the directed energy weapons is is that the vibration of these people is so coarse and so low that there are many times that you can actually feel their reaction. I know this sounds even, even crazy, but it's absolutely true. You can actually sometimes feel them. You can even feel them planning things, that's another thing that is very odd about it. At least I can, and maybe that's part of the reason that I also got, if you will, targeted, is because, um, you know, I have a little bit of, I'm not a psychic, but I ha- I'm an intuitive, you know, and um, so uh, a lot of things that happened to me, uh, I, I kind of knew in advance that they were going to be doing something uh, and planning something, and uh one of the one of the things that that is very important to understand is is that because of the strong meditation work that I that I had been in I really was looking at everything that they were doing as a challenge and I wasn't looking at it as oh my god look what am I going to do next I mean they destroyed my life in a certain way but actually it turned out um to be very good for me spiritually because it made me uh, really faced a lot of the things that were very important in my life that I hadn't actually taken into account.
1: Well, this is spiritual warfare, I, I believe. It, absolutely. I, I, I mean, I, you know, I believe in evil, and, and, and what you are, are up against or were up against, uh, to me, uh, and hundreds of thousands like you, uh, is pure, unadulterated evil. Absolutely. Uh, before we get to that, let, let, let's, uh, let's talk about some of the other things. You mentioned that, it, I mean, they had you... I mean, this was the reason you left the country, right? They, oh,
2: absolutely! It got yeah. so
1: intense that you had to leave the United States.
2: Yeah, was... they tried. They tried to abduct me, and they tried. To, they tried to abduct me, and they would have killed me if they had gotten me. When you say it's they, West Avenue uh, Subterranean Parking in in Palm Desert. I mean, really, it was amazing.
1: They grabbed you. They what, what they did they do? They tried.
2: Doing? They were they were hovering around my car. I noticed I was in. The, I was there. I was actually planning on leaving. Uh, But I was sort of taking my time about it, and then somebody—I see somebody go running past me with, you know, that baseball cap that they've got that they wear—and he looked over at me, and I knew instantly that he was an agent. And uh, when—and then when I went back there to my car, I noticed four guys surrounding my car. Then I went running to the front of the store, and there were four undercover agents there. Uh, standing there. I had called my webmaster to come get me. I was absolutely terrified. And I had this this very tiny little uh, um, what uh, pepper spray. You could hardly see it in my hand. And I had it clenched. And one of the four people that looked like golfers, he was dying to see what was in my hand. They were laughing. And every time he would turn around and trying to see what was in my hand. And then I knew he was also um, he was also an operative. They were all stationed around, around the, the store. And so what happened is, is that um, I, I, I was invited to somebody's house on the way home, and I went to her house, and I wound up staying there for a week. I, I made her come back to my house for about an hour, and I just packed up my stuff as fast as I could, and then I left for, for India.
1: When you were telling your, your friends, and, and, and uh, if in fact you were, uh, and your and your family members and so forth, about what was going on, how did they react? Because one of the, 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 the ploys here that these perps use, obviously, is to, is to separate you from support groups by making you sound crazy when you tell them what's going on.
2: That's exactly right. I mean, I, it was very, very difficult. I mean, most people did not believe me. Again, uh, coming back to the meditation work, I kept... Uh, I kept saying to myself, Leslie, just stay balanced. Just stay balanced. I'm sure that this is going to clear up at some point. And it was a—it's a very rough road. But if you—if you don't have some kind of system to fall back on, uh, it's very—it's almost impossible. This is where a lot of people who are being targeted really lose their marbles because the pressure—the of this. Fear. It's, it's 24-7 fear uh, and aggression that you're feeling day in and day out. You begin to come undone. That's And they know that. This is this is a ploy. This is definitely their psyops. And sure. I'm sure it's used in war and so on and so forth.
1: Any voice-to-skull involved here, voice-to-skull technology? Were you hearing me. voices? Not no. with me,
2: but, but, uh, I, but they have sent me messages through Wi-Fi. I mean, where I actually heard. They said, we're going to kill you, we're going to kill you. This happened just recently in Mexico. Um, my God, I just somehow... Uh, I must, you know, I keep finding these people and uh, I keep seeing who they are.
1: Uh, just and back up a minute, Leslie, excuse me, but how does that work through Wi-Fi? You're not hearing it. You're not you're not he- Are you hearing it? What do you mean Wi-Fi? How do they transmit these messages through Wi-Fi?
2: Well, first, the first thing that happens is that you have this incredible feeling of terror that comes over you. Uh, and then you have this feeling of doom that comes over you. And then you hear an inner voice that almost sounds like God, but if you know the difference, and it goes, it goes like this, we're going to kill you. In fact, in fact, that same voice was uh, heard on a Coast to Coast show just recently with Dave Schrader uh, on December 20th. There, there was a little voice that appeared while they were talking, and then they went back and they replayed it, and it said, we're going to kill you. Hmm. So it's coming through the electronics okay. uh, somehow. But only you know? can hear
1: it? Can other people hear it? Can what? If you were in a room and, and all of a sudden you were to hear that voice, could other no. people hear it or just you?
2: No, no, just me. Well, that, that just, is,
1: in a, in, a, in, in a sense, voice to skull, is it not?
2: Well, it's. It's, it's put I, directly into your head. I, maybe. It, it, I, I'm understanding that it's very different, but I, I'm not really quite sure what the difference is. Maybe it was.
1: Well, this technology, I mean, we've seen the patents online. I mean, this technology has been around for more than 30 years, so who knows what they're capable of doing now?
2: Well, that's the thing, and, you know, the the thing, too, is is that the, the it is invisible murder, basically, and the conventional weapons that people think that they're going to be able to protect themselves with are not going to help. And um, um, some of the things, well, you know what I, what I also want to say is, is that, that most activists are being already hit. This is not something that 's being done to just targets, and the three hundred thousand is not correct there are I promise you that there are activists that don 't even know that they 're being hit because the symptoms are made to look like almost natural in a certain way. I sent you you know some of the symptoms like heart palpitations, oh, yes. shallow breathing. Oh, I'm somnia. familiar with all
1: of this, but believe me, I've, I've done a number of shows. In fact, I'm, I am involved uh, at the moment in, in a uh, in a television project about this very, very subject. And, and um, you know, I, I've read a lot of material, so I, I am familiar with the symptoms. You, I mean, that 300,000, who knows? I mean, I, Dr. Hall is, is sort of on the front lines. He, he's treating... Uh, this has really taken over his practice, uh, treating these individuals. So, however... Um, that's still, if it's 300,000, if it's 400,000, I mean, that's just...
2: But, but the point, though, is that it's, the reason that I'm saying that it's much bigger than this is that I'm, I'm almost certain that they're beaming whole cities. You see, this is, this is a technology that they're not just using on a few people. And by the way, it's not an experiment. It never was. And it, my feeling is, aside from the fact that it's incremental murder, my feeling is, is they've, they've been training their rookies on a lot of the targets. That's what they've been doing, because when, when the big chaos begins to happen, when they really start to destroy the United States and, and, and possibly most of Canada, they're going to need people who are trained. And um, this, this is what I feel that they've been doing. This is much bigger, it's, and, and it's very important for people to understand that this is going to be used on the population, and it is being used now. Um, this is the kind of weaponry that they have in their back pocket. The gun control thing, which I'm, I'm for guns, you know, is a little bit of a red herring. In that way, because that 's not really that 's not really what they 're going to be using
1: no, I, I understand what you 're saying this, The idea that, uh, that you know that they are trying to undermine the Second Amendment and disarm americans' it's, it is a red herring because if if they and uh i put they in in quotation marks or whatever because you know who are they we uh, that's always a big question but uh whatever they have at their disposal uh you know it's going to make a a a gun look like a I don't know a birthday candle or something. It's just it's yeah, yeah. it's not it's not going to uh, do any good if they have. Let's say for example they have some satellite-based technology that's capable of hacking our DNA. For example, uh, you know a sidearm or a service revolver. Uh, forget about it. You know it's just not going to do the. It's not going to do well, any good.
2: Can I tell you about something that happened in Mexico? Sure, please. Well, I I was uh, down in the lobby on the internet, and the lobby I was in a small hotel. It's on in Playa del Carmen, and there's a main street like uh, like the promenade in Santa Monica. It's it's kind of a very pretty street, and um, uh, the lobby was facing had, was a, it was a small lobby facing the outside with a glass door, and I looked up and I saw a man on a bicycle. They use bicycles, by the way, quite a bit. They they still are using handheld devices. It's not just satellite. They, uh, that's another ploy, too. Is they want you to think that it's a satellite and there's no escape. But there are people that are being used who come by with cars and bicycles. But anyway... Uh, this man was standing um, uh, with a bag with his bi- with, uh, next to his bicycle. When I looked up, I, I stood up, and I, was, I knew he was an, an Asian, and I started to walk towards him, and he pulled something out of the bag, and my legs literally turned to wet noodles. I just fell right there on the marble floor, and I twisted a tendon. Now... Uh, I didn't. I, I I was limping for about a month, uh, mm. you know, until it actually healed. But in the face of that kind of weaponry, there is absolutely no gun that is going to help.
1: No, so. you're you're we're, we are like puppets on strings. Yeah, they are exactly. the puppet masters. Listen, uh, stay uh, stay with us, uh, Leslie. We'll come okay. back, and I know that you you called upon. Roger Tulsis, a private investigator from yeah. bug Sweeps, who's familiar with anybody who who knows anything about this uh, particular arena targeted individuals and uh, mental and physical torture using directed energy weapons we'll uh, We'll talk about uh, your connection with roger and um, when you when and how you get, you, you, you began to realize uh, that you weren't necessarily being targeted because of this uh, you know, foreigndrugs.com website. The, 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 in other words, the perps weren't just some pharmaceutical company. It was, it's much bigger than that. Right. We'll yeah. come back and continue our conversation with Leslie Oliver right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't you go away. Uh, leslie Oliver stays with us uh, targeted individual leslie uh, at, at, at cer- a certain point where well, I guess when things became unbearable, you reached out to uh, private investigator Roger Tulsis from bug sweeps and and uh, what did he do for you?
2: Well, let me just tell you how the divine intervention sort of worked also i hired uh, I was going to a sweat lodge right in the area, and his girlfriend was there, and so was he. And I was looking for somebody to do my customer service for me, for my website. And uh, I wound up talking to her, and she helped me, and I wound up hiring her. And she happened to tell me that her boyfriend, husband, was a PI. I didn't even know what a PI was. And uh, I had him first come, uh, because I had the feeling that somebody was um, listening in on my phones. And so he first came, and he did a bug sweep there, and he told me that yes, my, my lines were being capped, uh, but I had no idea it was the government. Uh, and then later, when I was being, when I had these men with you know bald, with huge tattoos all over them following me, I finally called them and I said, I don't know what's going on. What is going on? And um, that was when he basically told me, "This is the government. This is probably microwaving you're being probably beamed in your home, and this is these are some of the tactics that they're using," which was a big surprise to me because you know I just I had no idea that my government was uh, was doing this kind of stuff at all. And so, and, and um, what did he,
1: when he when he when he uh, swept your house? Uh, what 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 kind of microwave, uh, you know, microwaves were you getting in there? Do you remember, the do you
2: second recall? time he came, it was uh, nine hundred and fifty eight megahertz. That's and a microwave is generally a thousand. Mm-hmm. So they were, they were beaming me, and I was having all these very odd things happening, you know. But I I didn't attribute them. I didn't attribute it. I didn't know what was going on. I. Um, I didn't really, I had absolutely no idea there was a weapon that was being, that was being uh, beamed at me at all. That's what's so crazy. Unless you know or have any idea, you have, it's impossible to, to discern this this kind of weaponry. So, um, yeah, so he came and he, he you know, he... He basically measured it with us. – he's got some kind of a machine that um, – but part of the divine intervention is, is that I was going to the sweat lodge and I right, had to right. Oh, yes. have his girlfriend working for me. Oh, all yes. The people. So in three months, after, the, after all of this started to happen, in, within three months I already knew that this was the government, that this was black ops, and so on and so forth. So I was very lucky
1: and 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 you you know you you contacted the police There were break-ins and so forth and, and you've included uh, police uh, reports here in, in your in your material there was a second murder attempt i know i'm jumping ahead and this is all very no, important yes, Inf- okay. this is all very important information I, you know I, I, there was a another uh, murder attempt uh, but I, I, we need to move forward right uh, yeah. when you actually decide to uh, uh, to get out of dodge right. uh, you got on a plane and you went to india
2: right Well, first I went to Canada, because I didn't even know I needed a visa for India, so I had to wait in Canada for a week, and yes, then I went to India. And why India? I went to India uh, because I had been involved in Buddhism also, and so I went to the place where the Dalai Lama is because actually I thought they were going to kill me. And I thought, you know, if they're going to kill me, I'd like to be cremated in a certain way, I'd like a poa done. Uh, and I thought at least I'll be, you know, with with a group of spiritual people that, uh, you know, just I'll have a proper death, if you will. But I really thought they were going to kill me.
1: And, and you, on the way over, were you being targeted?
2: Uh, um, yes, the whole time uh, in the plane, in... Uh, Uh, When I got there, from the time that I arrived and I uh, went to uh, Derudun first and from there, the whole time I was targeted. And I was targeted in Dharamshala also, but I was not stalked um, very much up there because you're up in the mountains. The further away from the big cities you get, the less stalking. You, you get, because they don't have as many agents. The minute I got into Delhi, it st- it started up again, and Bombay was probably the worst. How were
1: they targeting you specifically?
2: Well, they were targeting with uh, microwave, actually, mm. and all of the directed energy weapons. How and, do they do um, that
1: in a plane at 30,000 feet? My word.
2: Well, they're up there. They're, they're, you have a lot of tour- uh, tourists coming there for the for the teachings of the Dalai Lama. And so... They they're up there, they're, they're all over the world. Hmm. They're, uh, you know, there is no, there is no government that there's no country that I've been in where the government wasn't completely um, in cahoots with the United States government or whoever's in back of the United States government.
1: Yes, I think that's an important distinction because uh, listen, what do I know? But my 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 perception is uh, from yeah. studying not only this but many uh, many. Different aspects of this whole arena we call conspiracy for lack of a better term. Yes. uh, Is that we're not talking about the soap salesman, in other words, the elected officials, the government. We are talking about individuals. Uh, uh, You may call them rogue cells if you wish, but these are individuals that have no allegiance to country or nation. Uh, They are, um, in fact, the editor of Harper's, the publisher of Harper's Magazine. Uh, Louis Lapham, many years uh, in a, in an editorial, described them in a rare moment of clarity, I suppose, uh, or openness. Described them as the unelected oligarchs.
3: Uh yeah. uh-huh. So
1: these are these are the, you know we are not talking about the occupant of the White House or or twenty four Sussex Drive. This is far beyond them, and and I don't believe they have really an inkling. Uh, the, these are not the most powerful people in the world. These are soap salesmen. Yeah. Anyway, I don't mean to digress, but I think it's an important distinction. If we're going to ever, you know, figure out who they are, I think, we, I think we need to start looking beyond, you know, government agencies.
2: Yes and no, uh, because I'm, I'll tell you, I, I, you know, I called my congressman. I called John, Ron Paul. I called all of these people, and they were absolutely, completely unwilling to help me, and they knew about it. And Ron Paul knew. How do you know they knew? What's that?
1: How We'll come back in a moment. We'll take a break. Okay. And I'd be curious to know how you came to realize that these people, like Ron Paul, who is, you know, a champion to many, uh, would know about this. Leslie Oliver stays with us as we continue to discuss electronic harassment, directed energy weapons, mental torture, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Uh, so, Leslie... Uh, You're in India. You're you're still being uh, targeted, some sort of a directed energy weapon. Uh, From there, you went to... Was it China or Cambodia
2: next? Well, I I went to China at one point uh, while I was in India. And the whole time, when I got in the airport uh, in Thailand, in the airport in Beijing, in the airport in Chengdu, in, in Chengdu itself, I was absolutely cooked. And that's when I realized that... China and the United States were not enemies, and this is, this is what really becomes interesting is because, you know, you begin to see that all of these countries are all bought and paid for. All of the governments are working with whoever is in back of the United States government. There's, there's not a country that I was in that wasn't, that wasn't uh, working with them and pretending to be opposing the United States, right,
1: right. Yeah, so I believe there's a great deal of truth to that. I, I, I concur that the uh, the, the nation-state is an illusion. We we have we, we think we have all the trappings of an independent state. We have a flag, and we have, uh, you know, a, a Congress or a parliament, and we have supposedly, ex, you know, a, a duly elected leaders and, and so forth. Uh, but at the at the top, uh, you know, this is all an illusion. So. Um, when you say you were cooked give me give uh, me and, and and our listeners a sense of what that means what does that feel like
2: it It feels literally like your your skin is burning as if you 're in a your sun it 's a sunburn actually but it 's a very very harsh sunburn, and your face actually becomes red a little bit flushed, and your whole body starts to tingle uh just as if you 're being well, as, as if you're under a sun lamp, but it's too high or something like that. And uh, what, is, what happens also is, is, is that you, you start get, getting a lot of wrinkles that you didn't have before uh, very quickly, although that didn't really happen to me very much. But um, you start to notice differences in your skin, dryness and all that. And you, the other thing that they do is they also uh, pinpoint your chest. You start to feel this heat in your chest, Um, and also you can feel it in different parts of your body, like around your kidney area and your eyes. They will also focus on your eyes so that your eyes become very sensitive to the light. Suddenly, you have to understand this is really like within a few days this starts to happen. Right. How about electronic choking? The electronic choking was something that was amazing. They would. Uh, this is. This actually happened when I tried to get a hold of Ed Asner. Um, this was. Lou in, Grant. In, in you you tried to get a hold
1: of Lou Grant.
2: Yeah, I, I was. I was trying to get a hold of him to tell him what was going on, and then what I went to sleep and suddenly, this thing. It's almost like somebody put their hands around your throat and starts to choke you. You can't get any air. What it would look like to you is an asthma attack, but it's not.
1: Okay, I have to ask, uh, why were you trying to get a hold of Ed Asner?
2: Well, I, want, I was trying to tell him that I was being, that I had these CIA agents all over me and that I was being constantly attacked, and I had written down all these license plate numbers and all that, and he was supposedly somebody who was you know, on the nine one one committee and, you know, all of that. Right, right, right. So I was trying to make it as public as possible and to expose what was going on. And um, that was when they really came, that was one instance where they really came down on me. But I would like to tell you that I found the, the answer to that one, and that is when you feel that coming, if you hold your breath and just relax, it's it somehow it goes away and i think that a lot of the a lot of what they're doing now is connected to breath. In other words, i think that they can follow you by hooking into your breath somehow.
1: Hm. It's been suggested to me that they're hacking your DNA.
2: Well, that could be too, but uh, Whatever that uh, means. <laughs> but the also the shallow breathing when I would walk down the street and I would suddenly feel this shallow breathing, it's, uh, you know, it's almost like as if you have a very bad case of bronchitis, but it's sudden. You're walking, you're, everything's okay, and then suddenly you can't breathe. And there are many activists that are, that are, that are being attacked this way, is if you actually turn around and face the opposite direction, it breaks it.
1: Interesting. 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 Um... Yeah, we, we before the break we were talking about. You reached out to uh, certain elected officials, Ron Paul uh, being one of them, and of course we're familiar uh-huh. with uh, uh, Ron Paul, who, as I s- uh, said, is, is is has become a champion uh, for many in terms of his his stance on on individual liberties. And yet, you 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 were not pleased with re- the reception or the reaction you got from from Congressman Ron Paul. What happened?
2: Well, I was I drove somebody who was also very badly targeted to this meeting. The meeting took place in Texas and it was a preacher and he somehow had taken up the cause. And what happened is, is that while he was there, he had written to Ron Paul and he had just gotten an answer when we arrived and ron paul invited him to talk to him so he went there and he had this appointment with ron paul and he apparently t- told him everything that was going on i sent uh, a letter to ron paul FedEx, uh, no answer and I, i'd just like to tell you that ron paul uh, is championed by many people but one has to be very careful because there is such a thing as the controlled opposition and what they do is they mitigate all of the the information and make it like when they call it harassment. It's not harassment. These are assaults. And by calling it harassment and calling it an experiment, it makes it sound as if only a few people are being targeted when this is not the case. And for me, Ron Paul has come up with the most ineffectual tactics for uh, many things that are just absolutely impossible, you know, like you're going to sue the TSA uh, if you're groped. Well, I mean, who who has $250,000 to start a lawsuit against the government? These kind of tactics, to me, show that somebody is not on the level. And he wasn't on the level about this either. So he knows all about it.
1: Well, but well, um, perhaps I don't know. Uh, uh, you're assuming that his silence is an admission of of, of complicity. I, I don't know that I, we could go that far. Uh, it, here's the thing: you know, um, someone decides to run for political office, and and uh, regardless of how they feel about a lot of these things, I mean, and we we don't know his his mind to come out and speak about these things in public, to go on the record. Uh, whether it's, you know, 9 or, or or this mental torture that we're talking about tonight, we have to understand it's political suicide. So, you know, well, he may be controlled opposition. I'm not discounting that. I'm just right. – I don't know. I'm not just – I'm not – Quite ready to, to to buy in on that one uh, immediately. However, uh, I don't want to I don't want to you know spend too much time yeah, talking about yeah. Ron Paul because that's not why we're here. Right. However, I think it's interesting and I and I, I appreciate you uh, explaining what happened. Uh, that is disappointing, absolutely. Um, now, uh, so we were in 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 China, Cambodia, and and this is continuing to follow you around. We're running out of time, but what made you decide to come? To come back. I'm not going to divulge your location, by the way. But, what? Why did you? Why did you come back?
2: Oh uh, well, I'm not exactly back. I still haven't been to the United States uh, since I left. Right. So um, I'm not exactly back. Uh, well, I miss. You know, I miss. I miss the West. I miss. I miss my people. Right. <laughs> uh, and it, you know, unless you're Asian. Um, or you really have a love of Asia. After a while, it it's, it starts to to get very old because it's a very different culture and it's wonderful culture, but it's not my culture. So uh,
1: sure, no, understood. And and how are you with friends and family? Have do they do they are they supportive now?
2: My family, no but uh i but that's the other thing is is that my feeling is is that any relationships that have been destroyed should have been and that they 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 were not they were not really based on anything solid uh and what i find is is that i have a community of people who are activists Mm. that i in certain ways i'm more i have a more intimate relationship with them than i even do with uh with old friends and even family because what 's at stake here is is a really a life and death sure and when when you 're facing that that kind of um, situation uh things people uh, we 're we're just more i don 't know we 're more honest with each other or something like that, and I have very good relationships with a lot of the activists
1: okay now again, very tight on time here and, and we need to devote a little bit of time to this okay. uh, this can 't be just about. You know your website, foreigndrugs.com. dot com. If they had, if it was about that, they could have, you know, sicked the DEA on you and, and found some way to shut you down or put you in no, jail. this is not about that. What is it about?
2: Well, I guess it was about the fact that I was, I was sending people uh, to. Uh, well, they wasn't sending people. They were able to buy these pharmaceuticals online without having to go there, and so it was dipping into their their profits basically. And the pharmaceutical companies are, you know, as you know, one of the biggest lobbyists in the United States. And this was one of the reasons that I knew some, somebody really big was was doing this because every time I took down a license plate number, it was never repeated or very rarely. So, I mean, there were just endless amounts of license plate numbers that I was taking down, and different cars and different people
1: so it just so you 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 do believe it's big pharma
2: partially, but partially. I think that it's they're they're in bed with the United States government, and um I think it's the same thing basically they you know it's there's no difference, and they use law enforcement as um you know as basically political tools you know uh to help with this, the police were completely corrupt in Palm Desert and Palm Springs. In fact, two or three of the people that were following me—it turns out—I saw later in police uniforms.
3: Well,
1: uh, one of the things that we know that uh, they, again, that they they do is they will recruit local police uh, people yes. uh, to take part in in this. And uh, what they do is they they tell them these these perps uh, that they're doing a good thing because. You know, uh, you you really need to harass and and torture Leslie Oliver because she's done this, and she's they they spread false rumors about people. Yes, exactly. This is how. So they, they they, they, it's and it's compartmentalized. So these people don't really know the big picture. Yes. Um, So you know they could look, they they could recruit uh, off duty police officers and say things like "Well this person x is a you know is a is a pedophile or yes, this person is exactly. is a is uh you know selling drugs to children et etc et etc Did you get a sense that that was happening? Were they spreading false rumors
2: about you well they they could have been i wouldn't know but one of the things that was really strange is is that I would see people cursing my car they were in their car and they would be alone in, in, in their car, cursing my car, looking at my car and cursing it. And I started to think, what is going on here? These people look like they've been worked on. And I really believe that most of the people that were, that were um, not just harassing me, that were following me or they're doing whatever, they were either drug addicts or they were worked on. I think a lot of those people were literally mind control victims. Sure,
1: sure, that makes a great deal of sense. Listen, we're we're out of time. I just okay. how are you today, Leslie? How are you?
2: I'm okay. Um, you know, it's still continuing. And um, what can I say? It um, that's all I can say. And um, I just go through the day, and I don't allow uh, a lot of the uh, thoughts that they try to put in. I just don't even hear it anymore. I just it's. I know what they what they're doing, so I don't. I I ignore it.
1: Well, I have to say, and I, I've spoken to uh, dozens and dozens of of. Um, I know you don't like the word victims, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, but of uh, people that have been tortured and, and harassed and, and uh, targeted by direct energy weapons and so forth, uh, and you know many of them are are fragile. Yes, um, and some of them come across uh, not as credible. As others uh, and you know that 's one of the things they will choose I believe they will choose people uh, that uh, for example, may have an underlying m- mental illness because then everyone will attribute everything they say to that mental illness when in fact they are being uh, targeted. but you sound like a very credible um, uh, a person and a, a just Thank a you. sound of body and mind and and uh, just very truthful and uh, I really appreciate you spending some time final word for people that that think Leslie Oliver is out of her mind what would you say to them
2: well I say you're gonna find out soon enough whether I'm out of my mind or not (laughs) that's all I can say and uh, I do want to say one more thing is is that the spiritual part of this is extremely important right now to really be good to your neighbor and to your friends and to your family. It's very, very important right now.
1: That's right. We've all got to hang together and uh, get to know your neighbor before they get to know you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Leslie, thank you for this.
2: Thank you for having me. Thank you very much, Richard.
1: Leslie Oliver. The website, richardserrett.com, your portal to the conspiracy show, richardserrett.com. Say hello on Twitter at Richard And as always, follow the truth. Well, hi there. Thanks, as always, for inviting me into your home and uh, the space between your ears. Welcome, fellow truth seekers. As I always say, trust those who are searching for the truth, but don't trust those who claim they have found it. And we don't make that claim here on the program. We are searching and will continue to search uh, throughout 2015 and beyond. Happy New Year. Uh, Albert Vinzel uh, has posted some great stories you may want to check out on the uh, slide carousel at the top of the website, richardserrett.com. For all you fans of the old TV show MacGyver, do you remember that? MacGyver, that was my dad's favorite show uh, because he was a bit of a a, a backyard tinkerer. So for all you backyard tinkerers and and, um, uh, uh, garage tinkerers, there's a great story uh, again, the slide carousel, com. It's a story on how you can increase the range of your Wi-Fi, uh, even if you have Wi-Fi outside in your backyard. Uh, wouldn't it be great uh, to be able to take your, uh, your laptop or, or whatever device you have outside and still have uh, the wireless, the Wi-Fi? And you can do it for just about $5, according to the story. It's a Wi-Fi antenna made out of, get this, a tin can. Check it out. Try it. And uh, let me know if it works. Again, it's uh, in the slide carousel at richardserrett.com. There's another great story. Uh, This one is from the New York Times Archives going back to 1984. Good work on this one. Uh, So more than 30 years ago, the headline, Pentagon is said to focus on ESP for wartime use. It's a story about the secret projects uh, that the Pentagon was funding to investigate extrasensory phenomena, and the sheer power of the human mind can be harnessed to perform various acts of espionage and war. Yes, we're talking about the, uh, the remote viewing program uh, that was started uh, really at the Stanford Research Institute by uh, uh, people like Hal Puthoff and uh, Ingo Swan um, And um, uh, now, this is terrible, I'm, I'm forgetting his name. A gentleman who I've, uh, I've I've met and spoken with, and who's the um, who's the brother-in-law of uh, Bobby Fischer, the great chess player, uh, Albert Russell Targ. Russell Targ. Thank you, Russ Targ. Uh, anyway, so this this is a, an interesting little uh, piece from the New York Times back in nineteen eighty four about the uh, the remote viewing program, and it's, it mentions in the article that, of course, the Pentagon is denying it, but they have since uh, admitted yes that they did fund it for a while. Uh, they say they stopped funding because it didn't work. Uh, however, uh, there are many of those who believe that they uh, they are funding it and continue to do so uh, all right let 's get started we 've done a number of programs here on the uh, the conspiracy Show about uh, Wall Street and how the world economy is essentially one giant ponzi scheme uh, we 've talked about the manipulation of the stock market and the commodities market in in particular the gold market uh, in fact i 'll be uh, speaking with Stephen Quayle about gold. When I host Coast to Coast uh, next Saturday, I'll be, uh, I'll be hosting Coast on Friday night as well for open lines. Anyway, I'm sure uh, future trends forecaster Gerald Salente will also have a lot to say about the economy when he's on with me on this program next Sunday. Uh, but tonight, we're going to hear straight from the, the horse's mouth in a manner about exactly what has been going on in Wall Street or on Wall Street, why the recovery, we're told, is well underway is a complete sham. And, uh, and what lies a- ahead for 2015 and beyond. Chris Marcus is the founder of Arcadia Economics after he came to the realization that his first job out of college at the bond rating agency, Moody's Investor Service, yep, the same guys who rated all of the subprime bombs with their bonds with their highest AAA ratings, was actually just a real-life version of the, of the movie Office Space. He realized he'd better do something about it fast. He started searching for some answers to the questions most on Wall Street have never thought to ask. Chris has worked for Merrill Lynch and then seven years as an equity options market maker and specialist on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange for Susquehanna International Group. He also has written for several Austrian economics and investor-based publications, including GoldMoney.com, EuroPacific, Precious Metals, Casey Research, The Daily Paul, Resource Investors, and several others. Hey, Chris, welcome aboard the program. Happy New Year, we hope. How are you?
3: Happy New Year, Richard. It's great to be here. How are you doing tonight?
1: Uh, Very well. Very well. Thank you. And it's good to have you with us. Uh, I'm always... Uh, fascinated to hear from uh, from people inside uh, or uh, that worked inside Wall Street uh, for these uh, different firms and so forth uh, let 's start off uh, and and, and uh, let me uh, sort of issue this warning we We need to avoid you know there's a lot of jargon that 's associated with this field, and I know you're familiar with uh, what, what i 'm saying here we need to make it. V- Boil this down so that people like myself can understand, because yeah, when we start talking about
3: Wall Street into English
1: exactly, thank you, Chris. You knew where I was going because when we start talking about economics, it can get an, 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 it can get very complicated and convoluted. Uh, but when we talk about uh, the economy being a Ponzi scheme uh, for those not familiar with a Ponzi scheme, uh, explain what that that uh, that means
3: well. Your general Ponzi scheme, and many people are probably familiar with Bernie Madoff. The I guess it ended up being 50 to 65 billion dollar Ponzi scheme that was exposed after the housing debacle. But basically, anything where it works as long as you keep feeding new money into it, but eventually someone's not going to get paid. Obviously, one one example people are probably familiar with is the Social Security system we have now where a lot of people are, are able to take the money out now, but certainly if you're under age 30 or 50, or, <laughs> it's, it's it's one of those things where you pay in, but once people stop paying in, it's not properly accounted for. And that was what I found pretty much as I went along in my career in Wall Street, which was never what i expected and and i and i find especially as i started learning more about gold and some of these markets that we we never really read about in the wall street journal or or see as covered as much on cnbc all these signs just kept pointing to something not adding up right Right. especially what i think a lot of people and I, i heard you speaking about ron paul in the last hour and and what he really brought a lot of awareness to was the arrangement with the Federal Reserve, which basically, to boil into plain English, is, is the, our entire system is based off a premise that whenever anything's not looking good or the economy's weak, just print up some new cash. Right. And right. <laughs> wait for the, the magic bomb to kick in. And I think it's worth just just thinking about that for a second, that really – the established global monetary system is based off of that premise. And, you know, certainly that it, it actually ties in with some of the things you mentioned, remote, remote viewing and some of the things that your guests in the last hour mentioned, where it's almost more like a mass hypnosis than anything, just because we've all grown up thinking, all right, well, hey, the, the market was weak. The Fed's going to come in lower interest rates and everything is going to be fine again. But what I found, especially after starting at Moody's where, you know, that was my first job out of college and, and again, just trying to keep my mouth shut and learn and figured that eventually this will somehow make sense. But that was back, you know, a lot of those deals similar to what Enron was doing, shifting things off balance sheet. And it just, at age 22 or 23, it just never made sense to me that, there are all these deals going back and forth, moving things on and off, and it, it, it was almost like, well, it's either there or, or it isn't.
1: Right, right. Uh, Richard Russell, uh, who's sort of considered the, the granddaddy of newsletter writers, uh, right. who is now in, in, in 90 years old, and I, and I follow Richard, uh, and, and I like what he has to say, and he is from a certain generation you know uh, my father of the same generation where, where you know a hard day 's work and you earned a, an honest dollar and he talks about how today 's money it 's immoral money because it 's not derived from 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 you know sweat and, and, and hard work and honest work it's it 's just you know Harvard business graduates now are just uh, trained how to flip paper
3: well that that 's exactly it and uh, and Richard Russell, I know he's he's recently uh, in his columns has been talking more about gold and how we're finding eventually at some point you print enough paper and we've had the same outcome every time it's been tried in history. And I, I pray that we don't get to the point where we're going with a wheelbarrow and, and prices are doubling by lunchtime. Right. But. The
1: Weimar Republic in Germany uh. – Right, a wheelbarrow full of money to buy a loaf of bread. How does that – explain the fundamentals of how that happens, uh, how uh, printing more money, uh, you know, in an attempt to, uh, you know, in- cause inflation, a little bit of inflation, which they see as sort of, you know, good for the economy, its growth, uh, how, that, how that leads to the destruction of the currency and, and hyperinflation and so forth
3: well that's that's a great question and and again, I like how you mentioned that they say this this idea that inflation is good. I would counter that there's a couple hundred million people around the globe who are trying to make ends meet and things are plenty expensive, and w- would just as soon appreciate that you know as technology increases our ability to do things more easily with less work, that prices would come down and life would be easier, which Fortunately, what, what you mentioned in the beginning about how breaking economics, it actually it, it's actually incredibly simple. And it, the, the idea of printing money and inflation being what, what, what is needed, certainly in, in my opinion has always been pretty directly one of those political sales points where the economy is weak. Well, here we, we can give it this boost and <laughs> we print money. And what you often see happen is that the money has to go somewhere. For example, if you start with simple economy where you have $100 and 100 apples and the price of the apple, if that's all there is, is going to be a dollar per apple, right? Right. If you, print two, if you print another $100 and you have $200, you can sit there and pretend as if productivity has increased and the economy is growing and, and you can have a set of numbers that that documents look we, we, we it, it's grown in size but it's actually the production is, is because we, we need to eat things we need a place to live the, the things that people buy and especially during election time you see a lot of the way the, the numbers will be manipulated I mean at this point there's a, there's a guy who actually calculates the unemployment numbers oh John Williams uh, to shadow stats yes, yes, <laughs> and if you just use the same formula, I think we 're still around twenty four percent unemployment, and what what has always been sad to me is seeing how people are making decisions trying to plan for business with conditions like these that are being distorted, and that 's really just what inflation is used as all Another right Chris way to take the purchasing power
1: we'll take a time out we'll come back chris marcus founder of arcadia economics as we talk about the giant ponzi scheme that is the world economy and uh, we'll discuss whether the recovery we're told we're in the midst of a recovery are we really the stock market continues to climb uh we're told that unemployment in the u.s is 5.8 percent and uh, here in canada a little bit higher obviously but are those true numbers probably not uh, we'll find out more when we uh, return with our conversation. Chris Marcus here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Welcome back. Chris Marcus is with us. Chris has worked for Merrill Lynch. He, uh, he worked for Moody's Investor Service. Uh, he's a Wall Street insider turned a whistleblower. And uh let's talk about uh, the economy. Uh, Chris, we are told that we're in the midst of a recovery. And if you look at the uh, of the Dow, it's uh, just shy of 18,000. Who would have thought? Nasdaq's up around uh well, closing in on 5,000, the s p and uh, p above 2,000. Uh you know, Wall Street seems very happy, uh but I mean, what's behind the stock market, the rise in the stock market if if everything is as bad as as you say it is, and as I believe it is, why then does the stock market continue to climb?
3: Well, the simplest explanation for why we see these continuous new records is basically that all this printed money has to go somewhere. Now, up until two thousand eight, when you had the right before Lehman Brothers collapsed, between the Fed's inception and then, their monetary base was up to eight hundred seventy five billion. So, just to put in perspective since then, it's gone exponentially to over $4 trillion. So if you think about what we've known of these guys printing money for decades, and then just imagine that on steroids, it's not an accident that if you look at the stock market chart, you can see that the exact bottom was the day that then Fed Chairman Ben Bernanke announced the first round of quantitative easing, which if people have heard that name but have wondered what it is, that's essentially saying, all right, the Treasury wants to borrow money. We're going to print money to buy these Treasury bonds. So whether they print it or digitally engineer it on the computer, you're increasing the money supply. Of or, they, or they would not
1: – not only are they buying Treasury uh, uh, bills and notes and so forth, they're also buying uh, uh, debt-related instruments, uh, uh, mortgages and so forth mm-hmm. like that and so
3: forth. Right, and, and it's not surprising that if you talk to any of your local real estate folks and ask them what they've noticed over the past year, and if that coincides with the Fed, uh, I believe it was beginning of 2013 when they started buying $40 billion of treasuries and $45 billion of mortgage bonds, and you saw another spike up in that housing market, the time I was in Southern California, hearing how properties—you'd look at something in the morning and it'd be gone by the afternoon—really sounding almost exactly like what happened a couple of years ago, which isn't surprising because it's actually the exact same thing that caused what happened a couple of years ago, and we're doing the Fed doing the same thing again, but worse. And but- and if you, a good way to put it in perspective is that. Greenspan, back after the September 11th and the dot-com bubble collapsed, he lowered interest rates to one percent for a year. And now you think about what's happened with Bernanke lowering interest rates to zero percent, plus all this additional money. And it's it's really we're we're past it was we're decades past the point of what is a little bit, and maybe right. we tweak a little here and which is why I feel it's important for people to understand the dynamics of what's going on because, like you've mentioned, the media is 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 telling the, the Wall Street story and really following that same pattern where if you anyone had talked about mortgages being out of line back in 2006, people looked at you like you were insane.
1: So all this free money, essentially, low-interest money, uh, and they're printing it, uh, and it has to go somewhere, as you say, so you have got – You've got these uh, uh, stock market, uh, these uh, Fortune 500 companies, and the stock market is going up. Uh, From what I understand, a lot of that has to do with it's not increased productivity or increased earnings, all the the things that point to a healthy economy, a robust economy. It has more to do with these companies using this money to buy back their own
3: stock. Yeah, there continue to be a lot of share buybacks. It's also a very difficult environment, I find, for most entrepreneurs and business people to actually venture into new products and and ventures. And that's not to make that a blanket statement, because there are are there certain companies that have agendas? Sure, that's possible, too. But just from the the general business environment, where there's so much regulatory intervention, and that, that was what I found fascinating, seeing how really the the solution to all this is actually quite simple it doesn't it doesn't have to be so complex if you if you're not printing money and having needing a permit from eight regulators for the people who want to do honest business and and create solutions to problems you can actually have a real economic recovery and what i feel has been prevented is that when everything collapsed in 2008 again the response was that typical try and prop it up let it fall on someone else's watch we've seen the debt ceiling debates come and go and yeah just
1: paper the problem over by printing more money
3: right whereas like, opposed to
1: someone like a paul volcker who people remember back in the 80s when the uh, when uh, you know their, the interest rates overnight practically went up well not overnight but uh, i mean he he grabbed the bull by the yeah. horns and interest rates went up 17 18 19% yeah. uh and it was painful, but some you have to allow those corrections to happen. Otherwise, the whole thing, you know, it's just like putting a, I guess a a, a finger in the dike or something. It's just gonna it's gonna blow eventually. You just got to let it, you got to let it blow off steam.
3: The economy, I guess. It, exactly, and the only difference is this time I don't even know if seventeen or eighteen percent because the snowball is so much bigger. It, it's it's stunning to think. What interest rate you would actually have to get up to. You, you may have noticed Russia actually just raised their interest rate to 17%. And you look at what the Fed is doing, where <laughs> now it's being pushed off, well, maybe not rate hike in 2015. Now it's always a year or so in advance. And I, I still can't tell sometimes which which of these figures are being genuine in their commentary and and to the degree that I don't know how important that is, but in either case, whether they realize it or pretending to avoid it, there's a very simple reason why they can't raise interest rates. It's the same thing that when you have all this debt that's taken out that can only be serviced at the low rate, similar to how last time you had all those adjustable rate mortgages. That that was the whole point of, of lowering rates. They even mention it in, as policy saying – well, we want to stimulate the economy. We want to lower rates so people take out more credit, but, which is fine, except once you raise rates, then you have a lot of bad debt. And I think at this point, the snowball has become big enough that certainly from anything that I can look at logically, I... I would be stunned if this isn't the knockout blow for the dollar at this point. Yeah, they, in
1: other words, they've created uh, so many bubbles. I mean, we had the subprime, the mortgage bubble. Now we've got we've got student debt bubbles. We've got credit card yep. debt uh, bubbles. Uh, we've got um, well, you know, help me out here. Name some of them. I mean, uh, we've got. Uh, you,
3: you have a, a bond, government bond bubble. You have, I hear, new auto loan bubbles because when they shut off the subprime lending to homeowners, then they, again, when you think about all those little tweaks in those bills that most people never read about, but you know, 25 basis points or a quarter of a percent interest rate on a certain product, when you have trillions of dollars flowing through the economy, that's there, there is eventually a cost of all of the dysfunction where we've seen Congress here in the U.S. It, it, it looks like two uh, two old parents are an angry married couple, and obviously that can't be an ideal way to run an economy or a business or, or a country, no less, and – I, I feel as if the what we saw, you mentioned the, the past bubbles, even going back, the dot-com bubble, and then it was a little bigger with the housing bubble, and however this next one plays out, I feel as if the, especially the housing bubble, really opened people's eyes quite a bit, and what I think is the positive that hopefully, and we can all be looking forward and working together towards, and why I really appreciate shows like yours so much is that hopefully if enough people begin to become aware of what's actually happening, you know, the next time when it falls apart, rather than rebuilding with the next establishment candidate, whether it's Democrat or Republican, or or if they're even the same party, but really rebuilding with a system of freedom and, and understanding why these things keep happening and that it really doesn't have to be that way is the best part. Uh well,
1: I wish I had such confidence that even if it you know if we survive this one uh that they're going to learn their lesson i i just I, I, I think they'll just go right back to here here's the thing about having uh i mean unless you entirely restructure the monetary system whenever you have uh you know um, an entity apart from Congress with the ability to print money. Uh, and now congressmen don't have to go to their constituents and say, we're going to raise taxes if you want this program. They don't need to do that uh, because they just print more money. It's great for them. They love it. Uh, And now you have, you know, uh, um, um, the presidential, Mitt Romney got in a a heap of trouble, maybe lost the election partially to this, when he was covertly recorded at a private fundraiser, uh, talking about this permanent underclass that has been, that has been, um, created in the United States by design, I believe uh, where you have uh, what is it now one in three people in America receive some sort of government assistance whether you know veteran uh, veteran pension or disability or or whatever is it one in three marcus uh,
3: it's chris, somewhere somewhere around chris. There. i 'm sorry there I hear the the numbers are continuing to grow and and again certainly you know i I find it 's what a disservice to the the people that these guys have been sworn to serve and protect, and saying that that we have recovery when when there's a lot of people that really are out there and struggling, and I, I think you're correct in pointing out that it it is really a corruption of the system, right. But I mean, you shut that I found within the financial world, and I what always ends up changing these things, if we look back in the fall of, any of these past empires, eventually the currency collapses under the weight of all of the debt.
1: Right. I mean, these bubbles are not going to be deflated gradually. They're just going to blow.
3: They could be. But at this point, you would, yeah, at this point we're headed towards really the blow outcome because the warning signals are there. I, I actually have remained pretty stunned that it has not happened already. Well, so what's going to be fine. the – Chris,
1: what's going to be the tipping point? Because one could argue, listen, uh, they can just keep printing money uh, and, and um, you know, okay, so China and Japan, which are the two, uh, I guess, after Social Security in the United States and, and the domestic holders of debt, you have China and Japan mm-hmm. that hold a lot of debt and, and they're sort of signaling that they're not – Going to buy any more U.S. Treasury? So now they sort of do it through the back door. They've got countries like Belgium (laughs) forcing Belgium, I suppose, with a gun to their head, buy our treasury bills or our treasury notes and bonds and so forth. Uh, What's to stop them from just continuing to run the uh, the the uh, the printing press? Uh, They are the the, 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 you do have the world's you are the world's reserve uh, currency it's uh, United States dollar is still seen as a safe haven. They are the best house in a bad neighborhood. Why can't they just continue to kick this can down the road for another 10, 20 years?
3: Well, I think that's certainly what they're going to try. And perhaps uh, I'll preface this with saying I've written for the last two to three years that I thought this year was going to be the year. And, you know, it's really a, a degree of extent of how far you can push it with and and it's an excellent question. What is the actual event? You see, normally when you print this much money, you begin to see prices rise quite dramatically, which for a while we were seeing. And then now certainly we've seen this decline, especially in the oil market, which has been quite fascinating. And we can dig into that a little bit later if you'd like. But to get back to your question, normally you see people buying a lot of gold and silver, which and that's we have not seen not, as much in the US but certainly sure. the the figures that come out of China and India on a monthly basis coupled with the actions that you mentioned were the Chinese certainly giving every indication possible that they're they've had just about enough of the US debt and signaling that they're doing everything to get prepared to launch the yuan as the world's reserve currency and which also makes it, coupled with the, the political policy, when you see the U.S. government levying these sanctions or accusing China of being a, a currency manipulator, it's, it makes you wonder, well, could China at any point say, well, we don't want to buy any treasuries. In fact, they could they could end the U.S. economy tomorrow if they sell $2 trillion of treasuries. And certainly everything that I've seen indicates that they're slowly unwinding as much of that position as possible sure
1: they're doing a lot of side deals now with russia and and iran mm-hmm. in their currency so they're no, they're sidestepping uh, the u.s dollar uh we know we know what happened to saddam hussein when he decided to trade uh, oil not with the u.s dollars but with the euro right. uh and some might say the same thing happened to hugo chavez i don't know maybe it was a a poison necktie party uh but um again the U.S. continues to be seen as the safe haven. If China – why would China shoot themselves in the foot? Uh, I mean they have huge investments in the United States, huge swaths of real estate right downtown Manhattan. I think uh, they now own the building that was once uh, w- once held one of the uh, uh, the, the vaults, uh, which housed some of the, the gold hoard. If it's still there, I don't know. But uh, why would China uh, shoot itself in the foot by – by selling off, not only refusing to buy more Treasury bonds, U.S. Treasury bonds, but selling off what it has. I mean, they would—they have huge investments in the United States. Wouldn't they be hurting themselves?
3: In the short term, yes. And I think they've reached that point where if you have that friend who keeps coming back asking to borrow another $1,000 to go to the casino, and after enough times, you realize, you know what, my money's not coming back. And that's, Really what you would expect is that eventually if you're sitting there with this large pile of dollars, I hear that there's a lot of real estate purchases in New York and really begin to take any sort of asset value that you can get because you're trying to really minimize the loss on that position. And if you follow the events and their actions, and it certainly seems to indicate that they're unwinding that as quickly as possible. to to the degree that it is possible. But, you know, it also makes you wonder, certainly, what happens. And and I guess to answer your earlier question, I think eventually they get as much gold as there is to be had. I heard you mention earlier that you have a few guests who are talking about what's actually in some of these Federal Reserve vaults.
1: Oh, yes. We'll talk about, uh, you know, what happened to Germany and uh, and Netherlands, uh, all looking back to repatriate their gold. Listen, Chris, we'll take a time out. Come back on the other side. Chris Marcus, founder of Arcadia Economics, talking about, what else? Economics, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Chris Marcus is with us, Wall Street whistleblower, founder of Arcadia Economics. Uh, We were talking about gold, uh, uh, Chris, and um, I'm a bit of a gold bug. uh, And, you know, many people... uh, who are attempting to ride out this uh it's been pretty bleak the last 3 years in the gold market and, and you know gold uh given the the circumstances the the geopolitical instability around the world uh, you know the state of uh the global economy um one would expect gold to be three four uh, physical gold that is 3 four times um, you know, what it is, and it's it's uh, shy of 13, just shy of $1,300 an ounce right now, but that's the paper market. Um, explain how the paper market w- uh, differs from the physical market and whether or not it's being manipulated, and if so, why? I know I've given you a lot. Uh, there's a, that's a mouthful, but <laughs> there's about three questions yeah, well, in there. <laughs> it's a great
3: question, and really at the heart of even even what we talked about before the break of what finally puts an end to this because that was one of the things that was really stood out to me coming to the conclusion that yes it is a manipulated market there are the differences as you point out between the paper and the physical market and when i first noticed this was back in if you remember 2011 You remember when we actually had that last somewhat public debt ceiling debate and which was such a catastrophe that it was actually followed by the first downgrade from S&P, right? And gold went up to about 1900. Exactly. And if you can think back to then where you know shortly still shortly after the housing debacle and still recovering from that, people were really beginning to finally notice the how ridiculous the idea of the dollar being the safe haven and the the treasury of this completely insolvent institution being the flight to safety and i remember there was it was late on a sunday night i believe it was september 6 2011 and that's when you had the swiss who were receiving a lot of the money as people were selling dollars wondering if this was actually going to be that moment that i think a lot of us are still expecting is going to come at some point the swiss decided because all of this money was flowing into their currency that they were going to peg to the euro, essentially saying that the Swiss being the last safe peg standing, they decided they're going to start printing, which I thought was going to be off to the races. is this when gold finally crosses through two thousand and but instead, you saw this big dip in the middle of the night, which certainly again, having the experience of being working on a trading floor it it just struck me as odd that. No one would ever execute a position like that. And, you know, I found once you start reading into that and the, it much like the things like September 11th or some of these other things we're told are conspiracy theories, the the facts actually line up pretty quickly. And you can there's, there's certainly plenty of people who have spoken out about it. One of the former commissioners of the CFTC, which is. Kind of like the SEC of the metals market has, in multiple interviews, uh, mentioned that it's manipulated. But you know, you eventually see that pattern of where certain hands are being tied. And
1: well, no one yeah. is going to investigate it because it's it's uh, uh, these bullion banks are, are doing this manipulation at the behest of. Uh, you know, call them the 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 central planners or the the Federal Reserve or the government or whatever. The, you're not going to prosecute, the, you know, the United States government. It's too big. But th- this manipulation, as I see it, is taking place because, you know, just to summarize, the the flight into gold. In order, if gold continues to go up. That is a signal to everyone that they're, everyone is losing confidence in the U.S. dollar. They're putting their money – it's you know like putting your money in a mattress or you know, buying something which, which for 6,000 years has been considered real money. So by putting money into gold, you're signaling that we're losing confidence in the U.S. dollar, which you know, the United States cannot uh, countenance. They can't stand for that. So they then instruct their, their agents to manipulate – Depress artificially, depress or suppress the price of gold, so that everyone thinks no, everything's going along well. Even in the light, you know, we have we have ISIS lopping off heads in the Middle East. We've got, you know, saber rattling in the Crimea, Crimea, and echoes of of 2014. We've got Ebola. We've got, you know, uh, shadow stats indicating unemployment around 23, 24 percent. The price of gold should be through the roof. So. Uh,
3: that's why I guess the so suppression when you is taking think, place. Think about it. really could be that last peg holding up perhaps the system of u s government as we know it, because re- remember what there there's, there's three way, ways that the government can take the money. they can tax it, they can borrow, or they can inflate. Now, I don't know how much more they can raise taxes and, and get away with that politically or you know and it it seems as if we've reached the point where the foreign creditors are saying no and yeah really that last grip on power and and wasn't it one of the Rothschilds that said uh, about a hundred years ago or the, the or if you read the creature from Jekyll Island that if you can control the money you don't even need the government and essentially you can control the government we've seen the guys that go back and forth between government and and to the banks and Again, I know there's there's people like Edward Griffin that that research and detail all the specific names, you know. But to the the point of how does it actually eventually end? Yes, I think that's why the price is being kept lower and why it's being. We're, I mean, we're not talking about a gray area or someone wasn't sure if there was a customer order here or there and when a fraction of a second. I mean, this was as someone who's worked on a trading floor, gone through. All of the regulation at least from my perspective there's no doubt in my mind that it's, it's, a, it's a market that's manipulated and what becomes confusing for people is that I think a lot of people have correctly seen what's going on and then many get nervous once the price goes lower thinking well was I wrong about what I was doing but what is the the best news is that, certainly, if you're investing from a longer-term perspective, again, I know uh, we have all sorts of compliance, so this isn't this is legal, specified advice for any regulators out there, but just as understanding what's going on in the market, if you have money that you don't need for five or ten years that's sitting there and you're owning the physical gold, not paper contracts of a bank that's right. that... Something that you can drop on your foot. Or or derivative of it, then you really have the time working to your favor. So, you know, to me, uh, it it seems irrational that with all the money printing that the price of gold or silver would be nearing or almost in some cases below the cost of getting it out of the ground.
1: Absolutely. Chris, I got to take a time out. I'm a little late here. Let's uh, come back and discuss further. Chris Marcus here on The Conspiracy Show. Chris Marcus, founder of Arcadia Economics, worked for... Uh, the bond rating agency, Moody's Investors Service, also worked for Merrill Lynch, and then seven years as an equity options market maker and specialist on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, but finally, he said, enough is enough, and uh, I've got to tell the world about this Ponzi scheme. And um, here he is uh, telling us more. Uh, we've, we've been talking about gold, and I just want to touch on, on, on this again briefly. And... and uh, uh, you know how they they uh, are manipulating the uh, the gold market is to uh, essentially uh, uh, sell off the gold, the, inf- uh, the physical gold. Instruct their bullion banks to sell it, and it gets uh, you know um, resmelted, uh, remelted down into uh, bars and stamped, and, and moved into places like Hong Kong and Shanghai, and and uh, uh, and we know that the the, the um, the, uh, the 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 places that are doing this in Switzerland are are reporting that this is happening. So we know that there is a move of physical gold from the United States from uh, from the West to the East. And so this is part of how they are manipulating uh, the gold price by selling uh, by selling a lot of it. So do you believe that? And we know that the Germans tried to uh, to repatriate their gold. Uh, it was uh, shipped to uh, the United States after the war. They were worried about uh, you know the Soviets raiding their gold hoard. So Germany and a lot of other countries moved their gold to the United States and to England. Um, then Germany decided they wanted to repatriate a portion of their gold. Uh, they went to uh, New York and uh, were told, well, you can't come in here and look at it, and we'll only give you a little bit of it. So what does this all mean, Chris?
3: Well, it, 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 it in this case, Payne says obvious as a picture as it, it really is. Certainly, it was amazing that the Germans asked for their gold back. The Fed says, we'll give you 10% over the next seven years. They ask if they can do an audit, and the Fed says no. I, I, for, from any sort of business perspective, it, it's hard to imagine – any any reason why? Certainly, with all the speculation that's out there, you certainly wouldn't want to do something as simple as that. And to me, I, I think that what we're eventually going to find out is just sometimes when the facts all point in a certain direction. And again, certainly from the research I've done uh, as a trader and on Arcadia. If you Google Arcadia economics and silver manipulation, we've written plenty about that and for people who want to get into the minutia, but. Yes, eventually what happens is that you know, they keep selling paper contracts because most of the of the trading is done in paper. And then each month there is a certain amount of physical that gets taken off the market for people who request delivery. And at some point, everything that I've seen indicates that we're nearing the point where someone is going to show up and say, I'd like my piece of gold and... Whether it's in the Fed, we hear a lot of the gold is leased out. So whether it's there, whether it's owned by someone else, you've seen, you mentioned the Dutch recently repatriating their gold. Venezuela took their gold back uh, a couple of years ago. That is my best guess of what actually ends up being the spark of, at some point, this whole House of Cards collapsing. Well, a lot of people
1: are taking their their, their paper gold contracts and they're being told, uh, no, you can't have it in gold, you can have it in cash. So it's right. happening already. Um, but what's it going to take? I mean, is there going to come a day when when there is an audit and someone says there is no gold in Fort Knox? And if, if so, what of it?
3: I don't know that... I, I gave up counting on any sort of regulatory or judicial process to help us get to that point. I certainly think that's what should happen. And I've written to Congress and regulators at this point, again, just as someone with a trading background of understanding there is what should be and then there is what is. I think that at some point, we're going to reach a default in the market where we've seen, like you mentioned, some banks, uh, I think it was two years ago, a couple of the Dutch banks said they 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 were stopping their gold deposits. But Especially, what could actually even spark that is, if, if you think the gold market is, is a racket, then wait, wait until you dig into silver, and there, where so much of the silver each year is actually consumed, you know that I wonder if could be the the spark where you find out the silver is missing, and that really shines more attention on gold. Until I think it will continue going on and be pushed on politically as long as possible, until someone says, I have this claim for a substantial amount of gold, and they refuse delivery, and perhaps that's the point at which we find out about the yuan being the new world's reserve currency or whatever is being planned, just from the simple, unless they've figured out a way to create new gold or silver, every piece of evidence that I've been able to find paints that picture that you, it seems like you've, you've come to a similar conclusion yourself.
1: Are there banks now uh, that are – I mean we, we remember what happened in Cyprus with the, with the bail-ins and depositors uh, lost their money. Uh, many of whom later turns out were KGB, uh, former KGB. <laughs> and, uh, they uh, made untold billions of dollars after the collapse of the Soviet Union, and they, you know, through espionage and uh, all certain um, illegal means, and 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 put a lot of that money in the Bank of Cyprus. And that was some say that was designed to sort of kick Putin in the pants. Uh, but we are seeing a lot of countries now with legislation, sort of. Sn- snuck in the back door up here in Canada. There was a large omnibus bill, and you had to really dig deep to find it. Uh, Provisions for a bail-in in uh, in the event that a Canadian bank, and we have big, stable banks up here, but in the event that a bank fails, they will institute a bail-in. They will take our money. Um, I mean, is that in store? Uh, Will we see that uh, a a bail-in provision in the United States? Will we see, uh, you know, banks fail in the United States in the next year and a half, 2 years.
3: I I think so, and certainly in terms of the bail-in, I know you mentioned Gerald Salente and you can you've probably heard him talk before about how he thought he had gold in one in one of those funds with Corzine and we found out we didn't have it. Now, from someone who sat the, the, the perspective of sitting on the trading floor and wondering I don't know if you have the, the clearinghouses blow out. That's what I would really be worried about, especially when you think about how much of this is all electronic. I don't know. Do one day we go to the, the ATM and you, you thought you had $50,000 in your account and the, the thing just says zero and what you're, you're sitting there calling 800 numbers for the next couple of weeks. What, how it all shakes out it's hard for anyone to know exactly, but to the degree that it's a great time for people to really take hold of what they have, where it's being held. Certainly, I like gold and silver because that's something that, you know, you can either have it on your person in your house or somewhere. There's, there's vaults that you can have it stored in or, or somewhere that you feel is safe. Things that you know are real assets um, and I think it's important to also balance that you know you don't want people to be afraid because it's not you know when when you actually sit down and think about any one of these individual challenges whether it's some people wonder you know want to leave the country and live outside of the U.S. or some people are worried about what's going to happen to their career or so others it's the investments but still if. If, we can, if we're able to find a way to take that deep breath and say, okay, these things aren't ideal, but fortunately, again, we have shows like the, the things that you do with The Conspiracy Show, and, and I've heard you on Coast to Coast, where there are people out there finding solutions to these different challenges. And what I felt was important was to help people really just understand the perspective of really that if you're viewing the financial markets in this traditional way we've been Pavlovian trained by the Wall Street media, yeah, it's going to be challenging because we're, we're, we're looking at something that's a bit of a rigged game. But It's survivable, though, right? It,
1: this is survivable. This is not the end of the world we're talking about.
3: Right. And And actually, I was living in Greece and Europe over this past year, and especially there where you saw to a greater degree, and not not that uh, and we see that they 're now thinking about a new election this later this month, but still having gone through that crisis, and what I thought was really encouraging was that you see how life does go on
1: it 's true i i 've spent some time in Greece, my wife is greek uh, and and uh, uh, people you go there the tavernas are still filled not with tourists with locals i mean that 's the Greek way they just live day to day. Uh, and as hard as it's been, and it is difficult, uh, they they managed to survive. Hey, they've been through worse,
3: right? Which which I think is, is the biggest takeaway. Certainly, your your guest earlier in the show, Leslie, and mentioned some of the things that she's struggled with. But again, here it is: she's speaking up, and and I'm sure there are other people who were able to benefit and have their eyes open because it's. I think what's happening is that we're all waking up, whatever area of life we were in, whether it was the soldier who went with an honest intention to defend his country and is finding out that it was a bunch of guys who were just playing war games that were sending people somewhere else, or you know, certainly the things we find out in big pharma. and And just that each person is almost being called to reevaluate, for me it was, Seeing that I'd, I'd spent 15 years developing this career, only to realize, wait a second, this is this is insane. But how do your how do your
1: the, how do your your former colleagues on Wall Street uh, view what you've done, Chris? Do they do they think you're a, a traitor? Uh,
3: no, no, I wouldn't say it like that because you know what's interesting is like any of these kind of pyramid operations. Certainly, they you know, they they. I was, I was very much the outcast in my views And I imagine that if I had tried to stay there That much longer Eventually someone would have said Look the stuff you're saying just isn't The way that we see it or, or so forth And I think what happens is that Especially when I had my summer I had a summer internship on, on Merrill Lynch in 2004 Right in really in the building of that housing bubble and, But it all seemed normal Whereas the same way with government, I don't think it's I think most of the people in there were just trying to get a job and have a career and and live and feed their family and go on, you know, and mine just happened to be in finance, but i th- I think that people we can see that it's possible to adjust to these things. It doesn't have to be the same outcome that many had in two thousand and eight. And when you understand and can read through a lot of the propaganda that there are solutions to these things, and, and that's what I really find encouraging and, and try and help people really see and, you know, in many cases realizing, you know, seeing that kids are graduating $200,000 in debt and there's not a good job market out there. But well, fortunately, wh- there's, there's plenty of demand. It's just shifting in different places and when you see people starting their own businesses or finding ways to provide services that are incorporating what's coming in the future that part to me is really exciting and what i think is going to be needed more than ever because whether it's next month or a year or even if it's if it is delayed 3 or 4 years or two, or somehow it's pushed longer than we think you know again the positive to that is we can we can be helping each other sharing information there is there's
1: time to prepare listen chris i gotta run but uh listen very quickly uh how can people listen to uh you on arcadia
3: they can find us at arcadiaeconomics.com we're writing with solutions every week and also i'd I'd be happy to talk to anyone uh chris at arcadiaeconomics.com and just want you to realize that whatever you're facing there there is a way that you can begin to use it as a positive and...
1: Absolutely. And... Chris, appreciate your time. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Richard. And my thanks to Tim Spreen, technical producer, Albert Venzel, story producer, back next week with uh, Gerald Salente, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, and Tracy Twyman. Until then, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light, what I say in the light, proclaim from the rooftops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.